This episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast is brought to you by Tudor Collegiate Strategies. For nearly two decades, athletic departments and coaches have relied on Dan Tudor and his team to create winning recruiting plans, tell effective stories to their prospects, and help get the commitments from the recruits they really want. Bring us in to lead a live recruiting workshop on your campus this year, or talk to us about working one-on-one with you as a client. Visit dantutor.com after the show for all the ways we've been helping to build winning programs and successful college coaching careers. And now it's time for the show. That's right. It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, a man who has logged 1.3 million air miles serving coaches all over the U.S. and America's recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. And today, Coach, we are talking walk-ons. That's right. You got them. You've coached them. You need them at various points in your team's development. And a lot of you rely on them consistently. Walk-on athletes. So what is the deal with walk-ons from their perspective? How do they bring their passion and their talents into a program? How do they survive it? Uh, Because it's tough for walk-ons. And some of you listening have been walk-on student-athletes at the college level before, and you've succeeded enough to turn that into a coaching career. So that's why we wanted to explore this project because we're getting a lot more questions about walk-ons and how do we uh, treat them? How do we make sure they stick around? How do we develop them? What are successful programs doing to uh, to, to bring on the right walk-on student-athletes? So we're going to be talking to John Wilkham today, and he is the author of Walk-On Warrior. And it's basically about his experience walking on to the uh, Division I men's basketball team at Marquette University and eventually getting quite a bit of playing time and building a role for himself. And that experience, and it's been a number one bestseller on Amazon, and it resonates with a lot of people because it tells his story. And along the way, I think gives you insights into the mindset of walk-on student-athletes and what you as a coach could do to better um, better connect with them and, and make them a valuable part of the program. So we get into this conversation with John and his book, Walk-On Warrior, kind of starting just with his background and how did he end up being a walk-on as a very good student athlete in high school, good basketball player. And we take it from there. And by the way, at the end of this afterwards, I'm going to give you some thoughts on what we have seen be successful strategies and practices to really develop a good core walk-on student-athlete or student-athletes in your program. So after the conversation, stick around for that. But we're going to build on what we learn in this conversation with author and former walk-on, John Wilkham. I was a good high school player. I was a three-time all-conference player, small town, central Wisconsin, um, and had some some various Division II offers kind of in the Midwest um, and eventually decided to go to Minnesota Crookston, um, which was it was far away from home for me at that point. It's probably about a nine hour drive, um, kind of in the middle of nowhere and in the Northwest corner of Minnesota. Um, and I actually played quite a bit. I think the, um, you know, the basketball part was fine. We had a bad team. We were four and 23 my freshman year. So a lot of us younger guys, um, got significant playing time. Um, in a lot of ways, it was a great, just throw you out there. And, um, and you got that the in-game experience that a lot of freshmen maybe don't get um, in their first season, but, um, I really wanted to be in a bigger environment. And so at the end of that season, um, I was kind of set on transferring to either Wisconsin or Marquette and Marquette in particular had, um, a special, and that was just, and that was just to be a student. 
right? Your idea was just to be a student, right? Okay. I, I thought I wanted to be at a bigger school. I absolutely love playing basketball, but um, just I, there were a lot of things that just kind of outweighed that for me. Um, the reason I loved Marquette is that uh, my dad went to Marquette in the seventies, hmm. and my dad was there in seventy-seven when they won the whole thing. Um, so I kind of always had that in my blood. Like if it was a school night and Marquette was playing on TV, it was like the one time I would get to stay up late and like watch. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so there was, there was just something there. And so when it kind of came down to it, it was like, all right, I, I essentially got like a free year of college, my freshman year, also the oldest of four kids family didn't make a ton of money, but my parents are like, you know, you got to get some academic scholarships and stuff to like make this whole private school thing work. Um, and I did. And so once I kind of got that, um, then Marquette was really kind of the clear cut choice for me. And to your point, I wanted to just go to school. I kind of was, you know, basketball was obviously a passion of mine, but was still kind of in the back burner. But um, I got a job as just like a summer coach at camps. And I actually had emailed Coach Crane and just said, if I can help in any way with the program, let me know. And he said, come work camp. And so I did. Um, and long story short is, um, I started playing pickup games with players, coaches, uh, other high school coaches at nighttime. Mm. And, um, after about a month of that, uh, Brian Wardle, who was a Marquette great and assistant coach came up to me and just said, you know, both our walk-ons are no longer on the team. We've got Mm. a couple other guys that are hurt. Like, we need guards and we, we need you to potentially try out to be a walk-on. So, um, I went back to my hometown for the month of August, essentially spent those 30 or plus days getting in the best shape of my life and then came back for, uh, just absolutely brutal, um, kind of individual workouts with the Marquette staff for about four weeks before I sat down with coach Crane and he offered me a spot on the team. Wow. So, so many things I want to dig into, uh, and also the book that we would love coaches to get a hold of and read because I think it'd be insightful. Just as they take walk-ons into their program and kind of the the mindset of a of a walk-on too. And you have a really unique story just because you were uh, went to a school very specifically to play basketball, then left with the idea that you're just going to be a student, and um, and then turned into another a basketball player as a walk-on. But take me back to freshman year. Um, the, the decision to go to, uh, the, the division two school in Minnesota, far away from home, um, what, were they the only ones recruiting you? Were there other options? Like, what was it about the school or that, that situation that you felt like, okay, this is a good fit for me? Yeah. So I think there were multiple things. Um, one, there was an opportunity for me to come in and play right away, um, which was intriguing, exciting. Um, I think everybody wants to play. And so there were certainly some programs that probably had, um, better historical records, um, better players, better upperclassmen. This was somewhat of a a rebuilding situation where you're going to come in, you're going to compete for a, an opportunity to play from day one. So that was exciting. Um, financially, there were some, some really, really good schools in Wisconsin at the division three level that to be honest, you know, competition wise you probably couldn't tell the difference between the D two schools and the D three schools. Um, but you know, I was getting a lot more money, um, I guess to go and play at the division two level. And so again, being the oldest kid of four, um, you know, there was some reality to just, you can go play and, and, you know, we're not going to have to break the bank to send you to college. 
Right. So I think right. those, were, those were two big ones. And then a third one is there were two other guys, part of that recruiting class um, that were friends of mine in Wisconsin, kind of coming up through the AAU scene. Um, and so just having some of those relationships and three out of the four freshman recruits being guys that I knew, um, there was a, it was, it was intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's that emotional or relationship bond that you had going in that sometimes is, is the biggest mystery that, you know, kids have when they go to a college campuses, am I going to know anybody? Are they going to like me? Am I going to like them? And so you had sort of some built-in safety net factors there with, with the three guys you, when you with or against before, um, when did you start to feel like at uh, at the division two at Crookston, when did you start to feel like this isn't right? Like there's, there's just something that's not matching up with what I imagined this to be the whole experience. And maybe just take us back to that, those thoughts that started to come in. Uh, and I'll, I'll say the reason I'm asking that question is because a lot of coaches are trying to figure out or look for signs from kids that they have like, uh Oh, are we losing them? Are they, are they not as engaged with the program as they were, maybe when they first came in. And so take us through sort of your thought process and, and where, when did that first start when, when you really felt like oh, this may not be the, the right situation? Yeah. So I think a lot of it was just the expectations I had for college didn't necessarily match up with the reality of attending school there. And so um, the basketball stuff I think was, was up to my expectations I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of workouts and you're lifting and you have study hall and a lot of the schedule was close, but I just think being in a really rural environment, um, I didn't feel like my, my, you know, brain and just development was expanding in any way. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, I'm just kind of here. Um, I always imagined that my college experience would be, I don't know, maybe it's 70% basketball, but there's still some other time for some, some other things. And right. Um, you know, one of the things that, that my head coach told me at the time was if you leave, no matter where you go, like, it's going to be the same thing. Like right. it's going to be basketball. And then, you know, this school and you don't have time for anything else. And I kind of thought to myself, I mean, at the time he probably was right in some ways, mm -hmm. but, um, I just thought there's gotta be some other things here that just are kind of, uh, stimulating to me. Um, that make this kind of an exciting environment to be in. There's people that I think are interesting. I think the other thing is that um, I was a really good student and school was really boring for me there, to be frank. Mm. Yeah. And so in some ways, um, it's really hard to compare academically so many schools, you know, but um, I do feel like when I was at Marquette, uh, school was harder. It was more challenging and I was maybe surrounded by, by more kids that, that cared about the school part of it. Right. Um, and so looking well, back yeah. at it, it, it's all relative, but until you're kind sure. of in seats, it's hard to, hard to see that. Right. Yeah. And, and as, so we'll put a disclaimer here that this isn't meant to, uh, to pound on Minnesota Crookston as an institution, because for other kids, it's exactly right for them. And they love the atmosphere and the ruralness and, and the education is perfect. Uh, but you know, everybody is that unique fit. Um, and you kind of already told us about the, the um the natural fit with marquette as a as that you know school that okay i can go there and i i that's sort of what i imagine for me college to be like um when when you started coaching the camp uh because again there, there's that mental point where 
okay, I'm no longer a basketball player. I'm just going to be a student. Then you get onto another campus. They say, okay, yeah, help us coach camp. You start coaching. Did you start to feel like, oh man, I do kind of miss this. Like this is, I'm back in the gym and I'm back on the court and like what, or was it just a job? Was it just a summer job and there weren't that, uh, that, that emotional appeal for you? No, that was absolutely the emotional appeal. Okay. <laughs> if, you, if you, if you love the game, you know, you want to be close to it in some way. At the same time, you have to be realistic with yourself and just say, you know, I'm six foot and 160 pounds soaking wet. And, you know, the chances of me playing at this level, you know, I, I thought I had kind of gotten to where I could go potentially um, or potential wise at the division two level. And so I didn't want to, you know, say, yeah, I'm going to go down to Marquette and, you know, be on the team. I mean, you got to take a good look in the mirror that way. But right. when you, you walk into those facilities and Marquette's, you know, Al McGuire center is amazing. And um, you're around people that just love the game and want to talk about it 24 seven. And um, it, it just was, was awesome, you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't think anybody that loves basketball and that's why so many high school coaches participate in those camps, you know, it's, I mean, they obviously come back to see people year over year, but they come just for that, that energy boost, that juice that comes with being a part of an environment where, um, it's just a lot of fun to be there, um, for, right. for a camp. Right. So, um, when you got asked to, you know, to approach by the assistant coach, uh, to maybe consider being a walk-on, um, thoughts that went through your mind, was there any hesitation about going after it? No, um, <laughs> there, was, there was, there was none, but I think also, you know, when someone says you're going to go home for the next five weeks and I want you to come back in the best shape of your life, you know, we all have like, you know, probably levels of like, I've done everything I can, but this is, this is what the best shape means to me. Mm. The irony is like when you actually get into a program like that, um, physically, mentally, the level you need to be at is, is stretched big time for any freshman or any newcomer to a program. And so, I mean, I always, I think I, I was that kid that just, I loved hard work. I loved being in the gym. I loved being in the weight room. Like that wasn't an issue at all, but, um, just the, the level uh, at the division one level and some of the strength and conditioning sessions. Um, it was a huge, huge eye opener. And I talk about some of that in the book. Um, you know, my first strength and conditioning session was something I'll never forget. Um, because I was, I was basically being pushed to do things that I just physically didn't think were possible for me. Um, and just to give you a, a very blunt example, you know, we yeah. ended the workout and our strength coach said, you're going to do, you know, 20 reps on, on the leg press. And he put on probably double the weight that I had ever done ever for like one rep. And I could barely do one. And he basically said, you're not leaving until you do 20. And wow. so I would do, you know, it was just like one at a time. And I just felt like my legs were going to like break. Um, but there was, you know, there was a mentality being installed <laughs> of just like, you're going to be so much more than what you think you can be. It's going to start today. Um, and to this day, I don't know how I did the 20. I was probably in there for another 
at probably 30 minutes just finishing this one thing. And when I left, I, I don't know how I did it. So let me dive in a little bit to, uh, before we get into the rest of your experience at Marquette and actually being on the team, uh, before we leave uh, your division two experience and everything, and just the decisions that you were making as a high school student and, uh, and what we see from a research and standpoint and working with a lot of different programs, different sports around the country and those coaching staffs. Um, do you think you made to go to Crookston um, the more of a logical decision, more of an emotional decision? Cause you mentioned like the, the other guys that you knew that were going in, that was sort of a draw, um, uh, you know, division two up here versus a little step down to division three. Like what kind of, what was, you think back to you, like your teenage mindset and, you know, obviously we're all older. We'd make a different decision now, uh, use different criteria at least, but what, what were some of the things that you look back on and say, well, so here's actually how I made that decision to go there. Um, I talk about this briefly in the book, but I think there's a huge, um, there's a huge kind of misbalance because um, I really wanted to be a part of a signing day. Mm -hmm. and, and we hear that and see that all the time. Yeah, all the time. So, I mean, um, I had classmates and where I went to high school um, was actually a, a powerhouse football program. So um, my junior and senior year, I didn't play football, but um, my high school won the large division back-to-back -back football titles. Nice. And we had some, some really good players. Um, that went to big 10 schools. And, um, so long story short, you know, I wanted to be a part of that. If I was going to a division three school, there was no signing day. There was no, no fanfare. Um, and so, yeah, as a 17, 18 year old kid, I think some of that matters. Um, I also had a very, um, a very frugal father, to be honest with you, that, um, you know, was, was just open about like the financial piece and just said, you know, we're going to look at these numbers and you're going to maybe help pay for this if you want to go in this direction. Mm -hmm. And so kind of at a young age, um, kind of had to think a little bit like an adult. So I think yeah. there was maybe more of that logical piece. And even though there were things that I said, eh, I'm kind of out in the middle of nowhere and I'm really far away. And, um, I think that some of the, those things I just talked about overshadowed maybe some of the more apparent downsides, um, because those things were top of mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, no I, again, I think in the respect that you just talked about, um, completely normal uh, for an athlete to want to do the signing day. I think a lot of college coaches overlook that uh, or forget about that as they're going after recruits of, you know, how important that is uh, and, you know, and maybe then how to counteract it or to accentuate it, depending on, on the school that uh, maybe you're getting recruited to. Uh, but then the money factor too, and you had you know a, a frugal dad as you as you described him. Um, I'm wondering though, did the coaches that were recruiting you ever bring up, or or how did they approach the money the money aspect again? Because that's something, especially now as we get into as we're talking here and you know tr getting towards the middle of 2022, and we've got different financial things going on in the country, inflation, and parents are looking more closely at, uh oh, I mean, what are we going to be able to pay for college? Um, and coaches are trying to figure out how to talk to parents. Did any of the coaches recruiting you, how much of the money conversation did they want to dive in and have with you 
versus you and your family just sort of figuring out all, figuring it out on your own? Uh, very little. I think that, you know, knowing what I know now and knowing the academic packages and the people would have actually understood that I had really, really good grades. Mm-hmm. I'm sure most of those division three schools could have put together very similar packages and we could have compared them apples to apples and say, this is a better program closer to home, you know, like the coaches, right. better. but some of those conversations that I don't feel like ever really got off the ground mm. because yeah, it was kind of a, a stop. Um, right. So absolutely. I think if, uh, if you're a division three program, um, there's a lot you can do to probably figure out if those things matter at the beginning and then put those things in front of a potential recruit and their family right away, just so you're not written off. Right. Right. Okay. So fast forwarding now to you're a walk-on at Marquette and you gave us the weight room story and sort of the reality check that you had there. Um, I'm curious about just your, the attitude that you had and what you felt like the attitude was towards you by the coaching staff, by the other players that were on scholarship towards you, because I think that's one of the things that makes walking on to a program very unique is you're, you're in the program, but you're also not maybe a, you weren't the original priority of the program. And so what were the differences? What did you sort of take in as, as your role and, and when practices started, how did you feel as far as being accepted and part of the team and uh, and whatever you were imagining in that five weeks of working out and getting ready? I'm curious about how it compared to what was actually there waiting for you when uh, you stepped on the court. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, one thing that you just never forget is um, sitting in, in Coach Crean's office before you ever practice and just kind of going over your expectations. Um, the one thing he told me is I'm going to coach you like everybody else. If you don't want to be coached hard, that don't show up, you know, you're not right. going to be part of this. So I a, appreciated hearing that. Um, B we were in a situation where we were short guys. So I know walk-ons even today that, you know, they kind of stand on the side of practice and they're not maybe super involved in the actual practice. Um, that was the opposite experience for me. Hmm. Um, I did everything, every drill, every scrimmage, you know, you name it. I mean, I, I posed as opposing teams, point guards, and that was fun. And, you know, there'd be days where it's like, we want you to take really bad shots. And like, if you're not doing that, you're not doing a good job. Right. (laughs) So there there was a lot of that, but I think, um, I was in a situation where I felt like one of of everybody else, you know, good. I didn't, I didn't, you know, nothing was really different for me other than when we left the gym. And those guys would go and get a meal that was paid for on scholarship. And I would go to, uh, you know, a normal cafeteria with the rest of the student body. But other than that, I didn't really feel any different. Nice. Good. Uh, I'm, I'm also, you know, title of the book is Walk on Warrior. I'm wondering what aspects were sort of made up the warrior part of your experience. Um, and, you know, certainly competing for attention, playing time, maybe taking a role that you weren't, you know, fired up to do, but you did it. Um, what were some of the different aspects of that, you know, sort of you going through that warrior experience, uh, as a walk-on? For sure. So, um, you know, one thing I wanted to kind of play on was Marquette's mascot in the seventies was the warriors. Um, it was always kind of near and dear to, to classic Marquette fans hearts. And I think, uh, moving to the golden Eagles probably still upset some people. Um, (laughs) 
So there was that. Um, but one of the themes of our team and season, and we had shirts and stuff in the locker room was just Marquette toughness. Mm-hmm. I think it was just a staple of who the program wanted, where we wanted to kind of hang our hats. And so everything that we did was competitive. Um, there was a winner, everything. And so, you know, part of that was like in certain drills or certain weight room workouts, like, well, this guy weighs a hundred more pounds than me. You know, like the reality of me beating him in this bench press competition or whatever is not good. But then there'd be other things like we're doing a pull-up competition where it's like, I have a big advantage here because I'm smaller and way less. Right. Um, So part of it was just, I think, I mean, obviously I was super competitive, but I had never been in a situation where like every single thing was competitive. And I'll give you a good example. Like beginning of the season, we had to play. Uh, one-on-one full court up to seven by ones. And sometimes you would be down, let's say six to two. And there would be guys that you could just tell they kind of are giving up because they know they need to run a bunch of sprints when they're done. And the sprints are time. So if you don't make it, you just run again and again until you make it. Um, One of our seniors came up to me and was basically like, the older you get, like the more mature you get, you never even like look at that score. Like you compete every possession and no matter, you know, the, yeah, no matter what the score is. Yeah. No matter what happens or what the outcome is or what, what's next, you don't worry about that. And so I think a lot of just the, the warrior progression was going from like, you know, when you're young and immature, you look at the clock or you look at your sheet and say, oh, I got three things left. Maybe I should just kind of slow down on this conditioning versus those guys were like, I don't care if practice is two hours or four hours or whatever. It's just about the next drill, winning the next drill uh, and really kind of taking things one at a time. So you touched on something that's, I think, interesting, just the emotional makeup of most teenagers as they go into college and they begin to mature and certainly they're different when they graduate as seniors. But I'm wondering, looking back, what advice would you give to coaches as they're coaching that athlete, you know, whether they're a walk-on or a scholarship player, but that younger athlete coming in, certainly freshman year, but maybe even in their sophomore, early junior year. And now they're maybe looking at some starting, you know, starting position time, minutes on the court uh, or track or field or whatever the sport is. Um, what advice would you give them? In other words, how could the, how could a coach or your coaches have done an even better job of sort of sort of guiding you through that and, and maybe fast forwarding the process of maturity a little bit, or, or is it just something that you just have to, you feel like a player has to gain from experience and hard knocks and, and just, you know, days on the calendar. Um, there's some of that, but I do think like, um, you know, in individual workouts in basketball, for example, you're typically paired with four players and you go like 45 minutes. Some people will put guards together. Or, you know, some people will say bigs, bigs and a point guard or something like that. But I do think younger people benefit from having some type of mentor with you kind of at all times. Mm-hmm. So instead of like my partner being another freshman, when we're doing strength training, the more I was around like a senior that was just kind of like, we're not here to screw around or, you know, you're not going to do eight reps if we're supposed to do 12. Um, I think that's really, really good because, um, I respected those guys. You want to be like them. 
Mm-hmm. Ultimately, if you have really good leader upperclassmen, the best thing you can do is pair them with a the younger person just to kind of show this is what it takes. Um, yeah. And then you're not necessarily like trying to figure it out. You're just like, you know, I don't, I don't want to look bad over here because God's <laughs> working really hard and knows what he's doing. And I'm just going to like stay next to him. Right. So I think that's a, that's, that's a big one. So for walk-ons in general, coaches looking to bring on a walk-on, maybe they're trying to figure out how many or should we, or what their role is going to be. Can you lay out some advice from, with your experience, but then just also, you know, other walk-ons that you knew or that you've talked to since that would be advice for coaches on kind of how to develop or treat that whole position or, you know, that the value of a walk-on to a program um, would be, would be what in your opinion? And this is just your opinion, just from your observation. So there's no, you know, magic formula that you've cracked necessarily, but I'm always interested, you know, when you've lived through the experience, what your advice would be for the coaches that might be looking to do a better job with their walk-ons. For sure. Um, I'll start with, uh, with kind of the basketball piece. Um, So there were certainly players on campus that were more talented than me. Um, but the one thing I'll say, and this probably goes back to just that North star from Marquette as a program was they wanted toughness. They wanted guys that were going to kind of grind and, and get after their players. Um, and so I was a part of some workouts, um, where I'm like, man, this guy is, is better than me. He's bigger, stronger, faster. Like he checks all the boxes. Um, but I watched guys quit. Like literally Mm. say, I'm not doing this anymore, you know? Right. And it's like, number one, I'm like, well, that's great for me because he just kind of opened the doorway for me to make the team. Um, But I think that you have to think about that as a coaching staff of just like, why are these guys here? And would you rather have this person where you think maybe someday they could actually contribute to their team or this person over here that loves the game is going to work super hard. They're not going to be a distraction. There's no selfishness to like who they are. Right. Um, and for me, I mean, I was brought in to push Travis Diener, who is our senior point guard, unbelievable player played in the NBA for six years. Um, but my job was to push him and to make sure that he essentially didn't get hurt. And so the other thing I wanted to know was um, when we sat down to to write the book, well, two questions about that. So why did you write a book? Because a lot of most people have their walk-on experience. They go into, uh, you know, the rest of their life and that's it. So why did you, why did you write the book? Um, so I never, basically there's a couple of things. Um, yeah. I, I didn't anticipate making this into a book. I, I literally started journaling when I started playing at Marquette because there was, there was just cool things happening for me that I thought someday I would love to tell my kids. It was a way of remembering, uh, for me in a lot of ways. Um, and we had cool things happening. You know, we became a Nike elite school cause we went to a final force. We were getting custom gear. We were, um, we'd always have speakers come into practice. Um, I met so many interesting people. Um, and I remember working out with Dan Hurley, who's now the coach at UConn. Mm-hmm. And guys like that, where they were young coaches coming up and they just, they would do a workout with us. And, 
Um, so there was a lot of things that I just wanted to kind of remember. Um, and so ultimately I wrote this book over like a 13 year period because I just, I had all these notes and, um, but I, it wasn't until maybe, you know, four or five years ago that I actually thought there's enough here and I'm confident enough that I want to like share this publicly Yeah, uh, that I, that I turned it into a book and, um, it's just been, it's been awesome. The reception, I think the, the biggest difference with this book and maybe other books, I've read thousands of basketball books. Um, this is not a recap of like games played or stats or things like that. It was supposed to be just like a raw look into what was actually happening behind the scenes. And yeah. so I tried to tell it that way. And, um, at the end of the day, it was my story, which is interesting because I, um, you always want to be respectful of the locker room, but at the same time, try and tell the truth. Right. So for coaches that are intrigued by that story or just the idea of here's somebody that had a unique basketball experience, they've journaled it. Now they turned it into a book. Um, so number one, why should a coach or even a team read through the book and what are they going to get from it when they, when they read it? What is the feedback that you've been getting from uh, athletes, coaches that have read the book? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's fascinating in some ways because a lot of it was written when I was 19 years old and a lot of it was written when I was in my early thirties. And so there's different perspectives and there were intentionally parts of the book where I'm like, I kind of feel differently about this today, <laughs> but I left it in there because it's yeah. like, that's what, that's what I felt like when I was actually playing versus now as I have a different perspective. So I think right. it's really powerful that way. Um, to me, it'd be super motivating as a high school kid of like, what does it actually take? Like, what is a day in the life at a division two level, division one level? Like, what did, what did John do? Um, so that's, that's there. And then last, um, there's a lot in there about just life after basketball and what basketball did for me to open doors, um, to do other stuff that I was interested in. But I think, uh, a lot of student athletes maybe don't think about what that next step is. And, um, playing at Marquette opened a lot of doors for me that have nothing to do with basketball. And I think, um, I think sometimes it's eye-opening too for a lot of people. And that's how we wrapped up the conversation with John Wilcom, author of Walk On Warrior. All of his contact information, as well as the link to buy his book, is going to be in the show notes of here, this podcast episode. And you can also just look it up at your favorite bookseller. It's out there a lot. And it's a great, great book, great resource for a college coach to have in their library if nothing else, just to give you a perspective of the walk-on athlete, because as you build your program and you need those athletes, it's helpful to know how to develop them, how to treat them, and how to use them uh, for your program. So let me give you some ideas that we have seen work over the years and how successful coaches who have built programs and use a lot of walk-on athletes, what they do and what they prioritize when they are bringing those athletes on board. So I would say first and foremost, uh, they need, the student-athlete, the walk-on athlete, needs to be viewed or feel like they are viewed as just one of the team, which I think is pretty basic. Most coaches tend to do that, but but how do you do that? And I think one of the most effective ways that we have seen coaches connect with a walk-on student-athlete and get their buy-in and make them feel like they're a part of the program so that they stick around and develop like you want them to is to outline a plan for them. And we, we talk about 
you as a coach outlining a plan for those student athletes so often in so many different types of ways to connect with them. Why is that? Because the student athletes that we research and do focus groups on talk about the idea that they're looking for uh, a meaning, they're looking for a role, and sometimes as a walk-on athlete especially, but even as a, just a freshman scholarship athlete or a freshman athlete that was actively recruited, when they get into a program, everything starts moving so fast that they really don't understand what their role is or what they thought their role was going to be doesn't end up playing out. So you as a coach, and again, especially for a walk-on athlete, but I would apply this to any freshman student athlete coming in, make sure you sit down with them on a regular basis, but especially at the start, and outline what their freshman year looks like. What is it that you want them to do? What are their their roles on the team? Even if it's not significant, Coach, even if they have a lot of development to do, outline that. What do they need to get better at? Uh, what are you going to focus on in this next you know semester or two or three uh, to get them ready? Outline a plan. Make them feel connected, that they matter, that you want them there because uh, it does no good to bring in a walk-on athlete or non-scholarship recruited athletes if after a semester or two they feel like they don't have a role you don't view them as important and you know what i mean is we'll go somewhere else or i'll just stop playing my sport and uh that again that that wastes your time and resources because you spent some level of time and resources in getting them there i just want to make sure you keep them there Second thing is let your other student athletes know on the team that walk-ons are important that they are equal uh, and again, there are some differences, of course, with um, you know, you know, some of the inner workings at the college from a uh, scholarship athlete versus walk-on athlete standpoint at some schools. I get that, but make sure your team knows that the walk-on athletes are at the same level and they demand the same priority, the same attention, uh, and the same value as the student athletes who might be on scholarship or that were actively recruited. If, for instance, you're at a Division three school or at a non-full scholarship sport, you want to try to create an equal atmosphere uh, for those student athletes. Uh, understand that also, number three on this list, that we have seen coaches that have done the best job at, at crafting good student athletes who are walk-on athletes into starters, into somebody that as their sophomore, junior, senior years take place, really do not only contribute but lead, is they make sure that there are goals, specific goals that are going to be reached by that student athlete. Lay those out as a part of the plan. So it's not just, hey, here's something we want to get you better and, you know, this be very, you know, being very vague is not what we want. We want a specific thing. And, and really what I would encourage you to do in terms of what is that goal, what should it be, talk to the student athlete, talk to the walk-on about what their goals are. What do they want to see as their goal? And if they say, coach, I want to start. Um, and obviously that was something that, uh, you know, you heard elements of, of, you know, goal setting in the mind of John Wilcom, the author of Walk-On Warrior, who we just talked to. What are the things that you can do to get into the mind of the student athlete you just recruited and let them voice their goals, but then you give feedback on what it will take to achieve that goal, whether that's um, strength and conditioning, whether that is learning the offense, whether or not that is putting extra time in when it comes to developing the mechanics of their sport, whatever it is, outline the goal and then tell them how they're going to get there, but do that with or in collaboration with that walk-on athlete because they want to be involved in their student-athlete career. And if you connect with them, 
and hear what their goal is, outline the pathway to that. That is a student athlete, more than likely, that's going to stay with the program, that's going to be actively involved in helping you build it, and they're going to be somebody that you're going to be looking at as a potential starter and key member of that program because you did those very simple but right things as they were getting going in uh, on campus and, and with, uh, with your program. So just a couple of things I wanted to pass along. If you have questions, I'm available, dan at dantutor.com. We would love to talk to you. We get lots of great questions after every episode, so please feel free to chime in with yours. Uh, we can schedule a time to talk uh, with myself or any of our staff. Uh, we are here to help coach, whether you're building your program through walk-ons, recruited athletes, uh, whatever the case, make sure that uh, we get a chance to come alongside and help you like we are with hundreds of other coaching staffs and programs on an ongoing basis because that's what we do. We want to build your program and help you do your job as a college coach and a program builder uh, on your campus. Thanks for listening, Coach. We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you keep listening. Hit the subscribe button, like us, leave a review. We love all that. That really helps the podcast. And uh, we will be bringing you more podcasts, the College Recruiting Weekly podcast, to be specific, next time that we talk. So uh, listen for that. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Coach. The College Recruiting Weekly podcast is a production of Tudor Collegiate Strategies. For more information on everything we provide college coaches, athletic directors, and the rest of your campus, visit dantutor.com. Thanks for listening, Coach.